thanks for uh, making some time today. I really appreciate it. Of course. It. I'm excited. I've been watching from afar and I'm a big fan. I think you do a really good job. Oh, that means a lot. Thanks. Thanks <laughs> so much. So I guess we should first explain how we know each other. So we first met uh, at UNDTV5 when you were at University of Indianapolis before moving on to bigger and better things with uh, CBS4 and Fox 59, currently a reporter there. I mean, early on, did you always want to do media? Was that always something you wanted to do? Absolutely. So from the fourth grade on, I wanted to be a television. Well, I should say I started out wanting to be a meteorologist because I did a science fair project on clouds and I thought it was really cool. And the local meteorologist came and judged it. And I was like, you know what? That's what I want to do. And then the more and more I started watching um, the news for the weather, I realized I kind of dig the news more than I did the weather. So I started realizing that I wanted to be a TV news reporter. And honestly, I mean, it led all of my decisions from an early age. For example, I went to a private Catholic school growing up and all my friends were going to go to Roncalli. Um, and I decided that I wanted to go to Franklin Central because Franklin Central had a radio station and a TV station. So I wanted mm. to do broadcasting. So even in high school, I knew what I was going to do. And then I picked Wendy because it had a great communication and broadcasting program. And um, so, yeah, I've always been on this track. I thought I'd do it forever. And now I'm realizing maybe not. <laughs> and we'll, we'll get to that if you want to preview it later on in the show. But uh, I was I was actually thinking about that because, you know, I went to Carmel and they have, you know, a radio and TV station. That was such an advantage to be, you know, 14, 15 years old and you, and you gain access to a station, you know, at all. The fact that it's broadcasting at all is a good thing. But to actually have exposure and to have tapes that early on, that gives you some experience and some advantages moving forward uh, in comparison to your colleagues, I guess. Right. Absolutely. And it's life skills that, you know, even if you don't take it into that career, I just know so many people that grew from those programs in high school in general. I, I wish more high schools had that. I know that you did a lot of news and that, that's primarily what your, your focus is now. Outside of news, what was your favorite kind of production if you had to pick? Ooh. I guess, you know, I, I did, I did like being a radio air personality. Um, you know, I did uh, do radio in college and I liked, uh -huh. um, you know, DJing and coming up with clever ways <laughs> and out of songs. And, uh, you know, uh -huh. I, I had my own radio show in high school. It was called Keeping It Real with Kayla. And I gave advice, oh, wow. kind of like Delilah. <laughs> Except I wasn't as uh, smooth talking as she was. And I might have ruined like a lot of high school lives because I was not qualified <laughs> to give advice. Yeah. And sometimes like married men, because it was, I mean, it was a real radio station. I mean, people... Um, even not in high school, we're listening. So people would call in and they'd ask for my advice. And I'm like, bro, I'm 16. <laughs> I don't wow. know about uh, how to make your wife love you again, but uh, flowers, I don't know. <laughs> like, that's that's so. amazing. Did you, did you record any of those calls? Do you have like the uh, tapes? You know, I bet I have some of them somewhere, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was an entertaining time. I had, a, I had a little box outside the radio station and people would write their problems and I would solve them live on air. A lot of it was like, how do I ask Susie to the prom or whatever? And then I'd come up with like a clever way to do it. And um, no, that was a blast. I really enjoyed doing that in, in high school and then in college, uh, just, you know, I didn't, I didn't give advice in college, um, but I at least got to be an air personality occasionally. 
who did you uh, watch while you were growing up? I mean, being from Indianapolis, like David Letterman was always somebody that I watched, especially like, you know, being able to deliver a monologue, that, that sort of thing. Uh, did you have anybody that you emulated early on? Yeah, so it's actually kind of cool because I watched Debbie Knox growing up and then now mm. I've co-anchored with her. So that was a really big yeah. dream come true for me. And I don't even think she realized it because... I mean, I don't want to be like, I grew up watching you because I didn't want to like, you know, make her feel weird or anything, but it was a big deal. And I just, I don't know. Um, she's, she's one that I, I watched a lot, but nationally, I loved Diane Sawyer. I used to have like quotes from her on my desk and my wall and things uh -huh. like that. Um, but yeah, I just, I really liked Debbie Knox and Indy at least, and then, um, got to accomplish the dream of co-anchoring with her a few times really, um, I'd fill in for, you know, the weeknight newscasts and somehow they let me do that. <laughs> How long has Debbie been in the business now? Oh gosh, I don't even know. Um, she used to work at Wish TV. Um, so that was what I grew up right. watching her on. And then she actually retired while we were in college. And I remember, you know, just being heartbroken about that. She came to UND and interviewed the UND president right when he was first starting at UND. And um, then uh, that was like one of the last interviews she did. And I remember talking to her and being like, I'm going to miss you. And then um, <laughs> kind of coming back on CBS four and um, she's still there now. So yeah, yeah. it's, it's uh, she's, she's had quite the career and she's honestly just as lovely off air as she is on. So um, that was always fun for me to meet people that I've been watching my whole life and then to see how they are in person. Um, it's, it's hilarious to me that people like think of, TV news reporters and anchors is famous or whatever because mm -hmm. we don't get paid a lot and we don't like, well some of them do but you know it's just it's just funny to me that people think of them as famous people because it's like oh they're just regular old Joe's just like everybody else you know is there anybody that is different on or off the air I mean let's let's face it there is like some kind of performance element to this right Everybody has a news voice and so do I. So <laughs> okay. We do, we do put on our news voice and uh, yeah. And I, I mean, yeah. I like to make jokes about that. I actually did a, a TikTok not too long ago because it was like in your best news anchor voice, do something like very mundane. And so I was like changing my son's diaper and I was like, you know, pretending like it was a news report. And so, yeah, I mean, we all have our news voices, but I would say that for the most part, there aren't a lot of divas in this business that I've come across, but I've been pretty fortunate. I've heard stories of other people being divas and being, you know, thinking that they're, they're something else. But honestly, I mean, other than the news voice, I'd say that everybody's pretty genuinely themselves on and off air. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, there has to be some kind of performance uh, element there. Uh, was that... For me, in my experience doing doing media, it can get really exhausting <laughs> doing it, you know, day after day, especially if like the subject matter. I know that when you were in uh, Lafayette, you covered the, the Delphi uh, murders when those went down. Like how much of a challenge is being in this business when it comes to your mental health? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um... Yeah. And I was just talking about this with some of my coworkers too, because they responded to the FedEx shooting and um, yeah. I wasn't working that day. Um, but I mean, 
we're humans, you know, and, and when we respond to those kinds of things, we're scared, we're hurt, we're holding back tears, we're, you know, we're feeling everything that everybody else is feeling. And then you just, you know, you, you kind of have to swallow it a little bit in the moment, but when you get home, it, it kind of hits you. And I remember when I was covering um, the Delphi murders, um, yeah, it, it just, it, every interview you do, every time you talk to a grieving parent, um, I mean, I can, I can tell you a lot of days I'd call my mom after work and just, you know, be so grateful for the people I still had in my life. And, and in a way, I mean, it, it does take a toll on your mental health, um, in, in a negative aspect, but then there's also some aspects of it that make you really appreciative of, you know, never having gone through something as tragic as some of these situations, but then it also makes you very paranoid. I mean, I've, I've noticed as a mom, I don't trust anyone, you know, and, mm. and I think a lot of that was caused by news. Um, I used to cover courts and some of these horrible court cases of, I, I covered this court case of this baseball coach who used to molest little boys. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, my son's getting to the age where I might, you know, uh, when he gets to that age, mm. I, that's going to be in my mind, you know? And, and so I think, um, that toll, even if we don't realize it, is playing a role in our minds all the time because people tell me all the time, like, you're a little paranoid. <laughs> like, yeah, because yeah. I work in news <laughs> and I know it can happen and I report what does happen. Um, and, you know, it's so nice for other people because, you know, it's funny that when I was covering a story during the pandemic and it said something like, take a break from the news for your mental health, you know, just turn, <laughs> off, turn off the news. And I was like, I can't, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. there's yeah. no such thing as turning off the news for a news reporter. And I mean, you're immersed in it every day, all day. And that's what's expected of you too. And, and that's kind of the challenge as well, because you're not supposed to deprogram yourself, you know, on your weekends, you're supposed to come in on Monday morning, having known everything that occurred over the weekend, mm. and staying up to date with everything. Um, so as a mom, I started to realize, you know, I'm sitting here scrolling through Twitter, you know, trying to keep up, you know, going through all my news apps and everything, keep up with what's going on in the world. And right before my eyes, my son is, you know, doing something new because he's at the age where he's learning new words. He's learning, you know, and when I first started, I mean, sometimes he was, you know, crawling or walking and you, you try to keep yourself off your phone. Um, mm -hmm but this career doesn't really allow for a lot of that. So it was, it's been a really big challenge balancing the two. And I found myself envying people who could go to work and then come home and be done with work. Mm. Um, and that's not really realistic for a news reporter, at least a news reporter that wants to be good at their job. You know, I mean, you could do it and not be that great, miss some things and, um, but who wants to, you know, not excel at what they're doing. Right. I mean, if you're going to fully immerse yourself in it, it's going to be like a on-call job, especially like the FedEx thing, you know, that happened in the middle of the night when everybody's asleep. And plus for me, like what made me divert away from TV, the physical demands of it. It's not like you're going to have, I mean, did you, did you have a cameraman with you? Someone to set? I mean, it's all, individual yeah, work now right yeah it's going away from that a lot I mean if it's a big story like let's you know say the the vice president or somebody's in town you know obviously I'm gonna get a photographer for that story but my day-to-day -day, right. um my day-to-day -day, I mostly always work alone and 
um, yeah, I mean, you got to haul around a camera, a tripod. I've, I mean, I've been called a bag lady, <laughs> hauling all these things around. And uh, especially when I was eight months, nine months pregnant, people were like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, honey, can I carry that for you? Like, and so, yeah. And I mean, you're doing that. At least I wasn't in, in West Lafayette. Um, you know, I was, I was, could have had the baby any day now and I was still hauling around camera equipment and things like that. So, um, and what, what is a typical, that's like 25 pounds, a tripod yeah. and yeah, I, think full technically thing. I probably shouldn't have been doing that. Right. Um, like if I would have talked to my OB about it, but yeah, I mean, it's, it can get pretty heavy. And then if you want to bring a light and you want to bring all the other things that might be mm-hmm. you know useful for your story, then you're really getting um, up there. Some people like, will get like wagons or whatever and like put it all in that and, um, but you know, if you're on the go, like you're, you're trying to get somewhere quickly. You don't have all that time to like haul that stuff. Um, so you just grab your camera and your tripod and go, but yeah, it can get kind of physically demanding. And, um, but I mean, and then, and then it's also just, I mean, if you went through the list of things that I have to do every day, I mean, I start out, I have to have three story pitches in the morning. I have to have them sent before my shift. So a lot of it is you're doing things when you're not even on the clock. So you're looking for story ideas before you even start your day. Mm-hmm. So the first thing they want are those three pitches. You go into your meeting, they tell you which one that you want to pursue. And then your schedule is dependent on everybody else's availability. So, you know, if I don't get a, and, and I cover the state house. So a lot of the times the lawmakers aren't out of session until like, 334 on a good day and my story airs at four and five so I'm like you know barely making it on air every day (laughs) the stress levels and it's so funny because um like my family my boyfriend like everybody like they know what time not to call me during the day because if you call me like after 3 p.m I'm like I can't talk right now I'm heading you know because I know like I'm headed toward that deadline and, you know, depending on when I got my interviews is how stressed I am. Um, and that, that plays a toll after a while. Just like, it, it's very, I, I tell people, you know, finals week, like imagine every day being finals day. Like I rem- imagine like just that stress level, just being every day, <laughs> that's what you're doing. And so, yeah, it's, it's going to be a big change for me because I'm so used to that. Um, but I'm excited to not have that. Anymore. So what, let's play out a scenario here. So let's say a lawmaker's late to an interview or, you know, get the shot you need. I mean, did you, did you ever not have a story air? Like what happens if you don't have a story? Well, I mean, for me, there's been reporters and days where, stuff doesn't pan out, but they expect something from you. So you always have to have like a plan B, a plan C, like you have to have something. And, and, you know, maybe it won't be, um, the full, you know, multiple interviews, me voicing it over that kind of thing. They call it a package. It might not be the full package, but maybe it's me just going live explaining what happened that day at the state house, or maybe it's, you know, just one soundbite from a lawmaker. And then I kind of, you know, ad lib the rest based off what I learned that day. So a lot of times I have to change the format if I wasn't, you know, ready in time. Um, or I just go to an entirely different story. There's been days where things aren't panning out. It's two 30 and I have to have something on the air at four. So I'm like, all right, start from scratch. We gotta, we gotta get to something else. And um, those days are always difficult. So when right. you have those three story pitches, a lot of times, you know, 
you might think you're going to do that first one that they assigned you, but then they're like, all right, let's move your back up or all right, let's do this. And then other times something breaks, you know, in the middle of the day, and then you're sent to that instead. And then that story, all that work <laughs> just gets thrown out the window. Right. Um, sometimes you can revisit it the next day or whatever, but it just depends on what your producers want you to do. So um, it's like, you, you're editing your own material yourself that you, that you capture most days. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's, it just depends on the story. Like I said, like sometimes if it's a bigger story, they'll give me a photographer or um, if it's just a dangerous neighborhood or something, mm -hmm. um, they'll send me with somebody. I am grateful that Fox 89 and CBS4 have never made me go live by myself. I feel like that's kind of dangerous to shoot your own live shots, especially with what we've seen, you know, like uh -huh. people have like attacked news reporters and things like that. So I just, I mean, I think when you're going live, there's a different element there that where you need that second person. Um, but I've definitely like, you know, shot my own, what they call look lives where I record it. And then I look like I'm live, but I'm not really live. And, and you've kind of already run through uh, the day-to-day -day chaos that you deal with, with, with this job. But um, as far as the work that you've done and the reel that you've put together, um, what makes a good storyteller? What needs to be included in stories? So Everybody talks about having the character, that human aspect, someone that you can relate to. Um, mm -hmm. It's all about creating moments. So moments that we see and feel every day. So maybe it makes the viewer kind of chuckle a little bit, or maybe it makes them choke up. And maybe there's gotta be something memorable. There's actually a book that I read called Make It Memorable by Bob Dotson. And um, if anybody is interested in becoming a news reporter or storyteller, uh, that book is a must read um, because he kind of explains how, you know, you can write to make people feel something. And when people feel something, they remember um, mm -hmm. and they care. And so that's kind of been the challenge for me is I cover the state house and not a lot of people care about <laughs> politics. Not a lot of people care about some of the things that are going on, but I have to make it to where I convince them that this is important enough that they should care. And, you know, Hey, this is why, this is how this will impact you. This is why um, you might want to call into your legislator, you know, um, mm -hmm. you know, just, just kind of showing them. And then I try to find characters that, the story impacts and then they kind of you know create those moments that I was talking about but I, I I'd say that that's what makes a good storyteller is just somebody that can make you relate make you feel and create moments in the story um one of the drawbacks of this show <laughs> I've neglected to to address is uh we've mostly had men on talking about their experience of being in media and I'd love to get a comparison of just your experience as a woman being in this business um what are some things that men are able to get away with that women cannot get away with in the television business? Oh, where do I begin? <laughs> um, I would say, I mean, appearance for sure. I mean, I don't, I could not tell you the number of women who have called in or men who have called in or emailed or messaged me like just about dumb things like that shade of lipstick is atrocious and <laughs> the earrings are obnoxious and your hair looks terrible why are you wearing that dress you know just things that like shouldn't have anything to do with my job 
mm-hmm. just getting attacked. Um, so I feel like that is definitely something that men don't really face. I mean, nobody comments on someone's tie or their jacket color or their, you know, that's very rare for a guy. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. It's just very mm-hmm. rare for a guy to get attacked in that way. But women, it's all we get. And especially with weight too. Like, I feel like men can be a little bit heavier set and not get criticized. But if a woman gains any weight, it's a big Mm -hmm. deal. Um, and you know, same with gray hair and things like that, guys can get away with aging. Um, you'll, you'll start to notice that there are a lot more, um, elderly news reporter males than there are females because after a while i think news directors they, they just don't want old ladies on air anymore they don't want wrinkles mm-hmm. they don't want great you know there's a look that they're after um so it is um it does discriminate in that way i think a lot and um i think that's just due to the research that people what people want to see on their tv i think historically they trust you know older men and they that's like a look that like you know might seem to be credible if you will and then mm-hmm. Um, you know, for the women, it's sex appeal. It's, you know, oh, she's, she's got too many wrinkles. I don't want to stare at her face. And now there's the high definition cameras, you no know, kidding. Yeah. little thing that you've got. So, um, I think that's, that's the main one. I would say, I definitely think there's a pay gap. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just from talking to my colleagues and seeing the research and everything done on it, men get paid a lot more in this business than women do. Um, I think more women want to be in this business um, and can afford to be in this business in the sense that their husbands might be. What I've found is a lot of the time, and this is just, this is not the case for everyone. Believe me, I mean, I'm a prime example of it, but a lot Mm -hmm. of times women can afford to make a little bit less because maybe their husband is the breadwinner. So they can do this because this is their passion. Mm. Um, And there are some men that also do this because it's their passion and maybe their wives are the breadwinner, but either way, it's not a very high paying job. And that's a misconception that a lot of people think that it is. Now, if you're a main anchor and you've been here for years and years and years, sure, you can make a lot of money in this business. But starting out, I mean, I made $25,000 in my first TV news job. I was barely able to afford my apartment. I was eating peanut Mm. butter sandwiches, you know, like, so a lot of these jobs, you know, it's, it's, um, and then when you start that low, you start accepting, you know, even after years in the business, you start accepting just salaries that are like, eh, you know, at that point you're like, Hey, I can actually afford, you know, a two bedroom apartment now, you know, like it's like, so it's, it's weird that something that people think is so glamorous pays so little. Um, and it's also something that requires talent and requires schooling and requires, so you would think that you would get paid for all that, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the industry's and it seems to be getting um, more common to hire younger people and out of college people. I mean, gosh, it would have been unheard of for me to even be in Indianapolis at this point in age, mm-hmm. you know, 10 or 15 years ago, I was told that it was going to take me at least three markets to get here or something like that, you know, and it was my second market. Mm-hmm. So I think it's getting younger and younger, even in larger markets now, because they can pay you less, you can shoot your own stuff, you know? And, and so, um, yeah, yeah it's it, the direction of, of news is declining in my opinion, based off the fact that they want us to do so much. And the only thing that will suffer is quality. Right. Well, and they, you know, we, we learned about it in school, but I think part of the problem too, and we can talk about it, the 24 hour news cycle, I think is going to be the death of democracy because news has become entertainment and 
shock value. And you also have like less and less voices in the marketplace. Like you have these massive corporations. I was going to ask you, you know, has CBS4 said, hey, don't wear this color? You know, like are there limitations within the corporate level that you have to watch with your job? Like as in like, don't wear this color because it's a political color or what, what were you meaning? Like um, Eric, um, one of the reporters that we learned from at UND said he couldn't wear a brown suit. You know, it was just like a corporate thing. You know, oh, really? But, um, obviously, you wouldn't wear a green suit because of the the green screen. You know, and you're you're gonna be uh, like Anchorman with a floating head. But <laughs> you know, there are consultants. So at my last job, not Fox 59, surprisingly, but my hmm. market 189 in Lafayette had consultants, and they told us, you know, how to fix our hair, how to do our makeup, how to dress, how to do everything. You kind of don't own when you sign these contracts, you don't own yourself anymore. <laughs> like I have to ask for approval before I dye my hair or I have to ask for approval before I cut my hair or if I'm going to get a tattoo, I have to, you know, they own my look essentially. Mm. Um, and also, I mean, I also think coming back to your question about the difference between, you know, men and women in this business, I also think, you know, a lot of times they're like, oh, we're looking for a brunette or we're looking for a blonde or we're looking for, you know, I mm-hmm. think they have like a certain look that they're looking for when I don't know necessarily that they're looking for blonde men or blonde uh, or, you know, or long-haired men or whatever. But I think they do want variety in the look of women and not, and don't care so much about what the men look like as long as they're credible and they have a good voice or whatever. So um wwe has done that before yeah or they're like we we have our blonde star now we need a br- brunette one you know like it's it happens believe me <laughs> yeah it happens it's very weird um and i mean i guess it kind of helps you in a way when you're job searching like oh i guess they just weren't looking for my look and you can kind of feel like i'm talented <laughs> okay but they weren't looking yeah. for you know a light brown you know freckle irish girl they weren't looking for her that's the next station you know whatever that's right right. (laughs) but yeah so i don't know i just um it's it's interesting how they can control you with contracts i mean they can control how long you stay there your non-competes non-competes are don't even get me started you know like uh you sign that contract and you know you have to pay out if you break it you're, it's very frowned upon if you break it and you can't go anywhere else in the market. So like, for instance, you know, someone who wants to stay here, like I have family here, I have a son, you know, I want to be around my family. If I wanted to go to WTHR or Wish or Six, um, I have to at least wait a year because mm. of my non-compete. Um, and so I, I think that's interesting that they can, they can have that hold on people. Um, and it's not, nego- it's non-negotiable. Like, it's like, we won't hire you unless you sign this contract. And right. it's more and more becoming, um, where you can't even write things into your contract. They say, this is a standard contract. Everyone signs it. You can't have, cause it used to be, you know, people would be like, all right, well, I want this written in, or I want an out if I get this certain market. And sometimes they accommodate that, but then a lot of times they're just like, no, this is what you're getting. Sign it or take it or leave it. And then you're stuck there. Like, Ugh. Did you have a manager or an agent at any point? I did not, which I was, so I was lucky in the sense that I kept a lot of my internship contacts. Um, So I always knew I wanted to end up in Indianapolis. So I interned at Wish, 
THR and Fox 59 in college. Mm -hmm. So I just stayed in touch with all the people that I met throughout. And then when it came time to job search, I literally interviewed at all three of those stations that I interned at. And um, the one that I liked the most was uh, Fox 59 and CBS 4. The news director there was awesome. I mean, he just like, you just wanted to go to work for this man. He ended up leaving like, gosh, like three or four months into my job there. I was so mm. heartbroken because he was just, he was what I who I wanted to work for. Um, but hey, it happens. He, he got a good opportunity and he had to leave, but it's, it's interesting that, you know, you can go without an agent, but there are so many people in this business that do have agents. Um, and I hear that they, you know, get them more money, they get them, um, a little bit more written in. Like, I think you have a little bit more room to negotiate when you have an agent, but then there are some stations that are like, we don't want to deal with agents. So they might only go after people who are, representing themselves so yeah. it's, it varies based on the news director well and you know um being younger and being in this business was there ever a sense of jealousy among older staff that like you're coming for my job you know like has there been well, resentment like, like you know older staff jealous of me or or anybody in your experience oh I'm not, and you don't have to name names. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely think it exists. I definitely think there's a little bit like, look down on you. Like, are you really wearing, like I got a couple comments. Like, are you really wearing those heels? Like, are you really wearing that dress? Like, you know, <laughs> like, you know, obviously we have different styles because there's the traditional like older lady, like, which I love blazers. Like I'll wear a blazer any day, but like, you know, there's, there's just different styles. So they'll, they'll make comments like that or like, Okay. Um, but for the most part, at least at the station I work at now, um, they're very like motherly, you know, and I think that's just kind of part of being an anchor anyway. Um, you know, they're, they kind of take you under their wing a lot of the time, which is really nice. Um, like Fanchon Stinger, she's like the role model for all of the, which she's not older, but I mean, she's older than me, but she's not old <laughs> by any means. Yeah. Um, so yeah. like, but she's, she's taken, you know, kind of like the mother bear role of all these 20 somethings coming into the newsroom. And, um, so I think in, in same with Angela Gnote, I mean, she's really, um, helpful. Yeah, she's been on the air forever. Yeah. Long she, time. I mean, she's amazing. And she's, she really cares about her job. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I just, I just feel like she, um, she's a good example of someone who is the same person on and off air. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think she could, someone like her could be jealous of someone like me, you know, cause she's just yeah. accomplished so much. Like, um, but I don't know, like, I, I think I've kind of stayed in my own lane too. Um, maybe if I were trying to like become like this big bad anchor and like, you know, trying to step on their toes, <laughs> I think maybe I would have gotten that, but I also just report for the state house. So I've been, trying to be very focused on my, you know, role and none of them are wanting that because it's not really the most glamorous job in the world. I think they might have a tough time having someone like jumping at the bit to take this position. <laughs> well, you know, I was just thinking about like having a job in the media, you're all excited, you want to try to build something and then your superior or somebody that works alongside you just makes it a crappy day because they're not yeah they're not encouraging you. They're upset if you had an idea and it wasn't theirs, you know, that, that sort of thing. And that happens all the time because it's a, it's a competitive, like 
as much as you're a staff, you're also competing amongst each other to stand out. And right? that is the weird dynamic because you're right. I mean, you want to be the lead story that day. You want to be, yeah. and, and yeah. that's what I mean when I say I stay in my own lane because because of my niche, because of my role, if it's right. a state house story, I get it. There's no one competing for it. Like that's me. So I interview the governor every year, you know, I do that because that's my role. So I don't really have to compete with it. Now, Dan Spieler, he is the guy who runs and focus the political show. So if it's like a, you know, vice presidential interview or something really big, he'll get that. But if it has to do with our state lawmakers, for the most part, I sit down with them or our governor, for the most part, I sit down with him. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that has been nice for me because I don't have to compete because I already have that role. But all the other reporters, like general assignment reporters, they are constantly competing for you know, the, the lead story that day. And I was a general assignment reporter when I first started at Fox 59 and CBS4. And I definitely felt that pressure of like, no, I want to cover this. Like, no, mm -hmm. it's like me. Like, <laughs> you know, so, and, and then you, in the morning, if there was a breaking news story that happened overnight, it became a competition for who pitched it the best. So like, you'd already have these interviews set up and you'd be like, this is the angle I want to take and blah, blah, blah. So then whoever pitched it the best, that's the person who would get that story. So it does become pretty competitive in that aspect. And I remember yeah. some coworkers just kind of fighting amongst themselves, like, okay, like whatever, I still thought mine was better, you know, or whatever, you know, there's like little chatter or whatever. And um, you can kind of tell that there's a little bit of tension, but because news happens so fast and we're, you know, gosh, I don't even remember what I did two days ago because it's all, you know, it kind of runs together. You get over it pretty quickly and you move on to the next thing. Did, um, do you get starstruck anymore? Who are some people that you've interviewed over your time in news? Who do I get starstruck? Working in the I NFL, I, I, I did. Go ahead, what'd you say? Working in the NFL, I did after yeah. after a while, I, but it, it fades after a That's while. That's what I was going to say. I think this is the best medicine to kind of get you over um, getting starstruck because you start to realize um, that people are just people, you know, and they're, they're not that <laughs> right. big of a deal. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's been some people, some lawmakers, um, like, like, you know, when you're like, I like interviewing the vice president was kind of, you know, like when you're in, when you're in those moments where, you know, White House security is sniffing your bag and you just feel like you're <laughs> and you're at this, you know, big moment, you're like, okay, this is kind of cool. Like, you know, you get, a, you get like a little butterflies, you know, like, okay, mm -hmm. like, here we go. Like, um, you know, it's just things like that. I mean, I still kind of get um, excited, I guess, about it. And then you don't want to, you don't want to mess it up. I mean, even just the, as much as I've interviewed the governor, when I have one-on-ones with the governor, you know, I'm, I'm excited, you know, I make sure I'm, you know, mm -hmm. prepared and, and ready to go because those are rare moments. And um, one day I'll look back on it and be like, okay, I was interviewing the governor during a, you know, international pandemic. That's pretty cool, you know? And so yeah. um, that's something that I think, I wouldn't say I'm starstruck, but I'm definitely uh, grateful and in the moment and um, not taking for granted the fact that not everyone in the state gets to sit down with the leader of our state right. um, and it's right. an honor and um, you want to do it justice because you want to ask the questions that the people of Indiana want to know and, it, and you kind of have to be selfless in that moment like what do I need to ask so that people can get the information they need during this crazy unprecedented <laughs> 
Yeah, the the past uh, couple of years have certainly, uh, you know, the last two years is like 10 in, in most, yeah. you know, periods of time. Exactly. And that's <laughs> probably a little bit of why I'm at the point that I'm at now. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. all right, I got it all in. It's been... 83 years and it's like i've been in this business for like five um perfect segue especially with uh mother's day being this weekend um how has being a mom changed you kayla oh gosh changed me professionally or just like as a person i mean i both both I'm, i'm curious for both yeah so professionally I think it actually has made me a better journalist in the fact that I care more about things that I would say most of our audience cares about um before I became a parent um you know just like education was like whatever you know like just like some of those topics (laughs) that I covered like I was like this is so boring but then when you become a mom, you start to think, well, I want these schools to be good for my kids. And I want, you know, I want mm-hmm. this investment in these teachers and all these things um, that I just didn't really care about as, you know, a 20 something, you know, that like I just cared about things that affected me. I knew that it was important and that we needed to cover it, but I had different questions. I had better questions. I had more um, empathy for the mothers that I was interviewing. So it, it led to better questions and, and pausing and waiting for them to come up with those moments that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think it just made me a better journalist overall. I was pitching better stories. I was connecting better with stories. Um, and I think my heart was in it more when, especially when there were issues that pertained to being a mom that I was reporting on. They actually ended up making my beat before I became the state house reporter. My beat was like family reporting, like, you know, dealing with young kids and things like that, because they knew that I was passionate about that and that I was going to pitch good stories about that. So Mm -hmm. um, I think professionally, it has definitely helped me Um, personally. I mean, it is my favorite job. I used my favorite job used to be a TV news reporter, but now it's being a mom. And that's kind of where I'm at in my crossroads right now, because um, it's hard to be a mom and to be a reporter, um, the mom I want to be anyway. And so, um, but yeah, I just, I feel like it has made me more patient for sure. Um, and just realize that my priorities, um, have changed and, and I'm not for myself anymore. I have an entire human that I'm responsible for and that I get to shape, uh, you know, and, and, lead into the world and hopefully prepare him to be ready for the world and mm-hmm. I don't want to you know do that halfway I want to give it my all and um that's how I've been with everything in my life like I've always I would consider myself a perfectionist in many ways and so very type a so the fact that I can't be a perfect mom and be a perfect news reporter bothers me <laughs> like I'm like I have to choose one or the other so obviously, you know, my priorities have changed um, to where he's, he comes first and, and that, that conflicts in many ways with this career field. What are some of the things with the, the newfound time that you'll have? Are you looking forward to doing? Picking him up from daycare. It's <laughs> just as simple as that. Uh, my schedule right now is 9.30 to 6.30 and there are like barely any daycares that go that late and that's generous if I get off at 6 30 most days you know I'm still working on my web story at seven 
and that's the thing is like what people don't understand and i didn't fully go through this but i pitch my stories my day depends on other people i write mm -hmm. my stories i shoot my story or i shoot my stories i write my stories i edit my stories i front my stories and then i put them on the web so like throughout the day like that whole process takes so long so sometimes i'm off work at 7 38 my son's bedtime is eight o'clock so right. i'm basically getting home i'm picking and, and not to mention the fact that i've had to lean on my family because i'm a single mom so my mom and my dad have had to pick him up from daycare when i can't and so my you know i come to my mom's house and she's got my kid and I, I he's like already ready for bed and i just bring him home and then we put on pajamas we take a bath and go to bed and so he's like not um i feel like i'm not getting the full time that I need with him and with a new schedule, uh, I can pick him up. I can spend that time. I can make dinner. I, I honestly haven't even gotten into like a cooking. Like I don't even really consider myself well-versed in the kitchen <laughs> because I, I mean, I just haven't had time and I don't have energy when, right. I'm, when I get home. Like the last thing I want to do is cook a full meal because I'm exhausted. And uh, you know, I probably interviewed, you know, something tragic from that day and I'm in a bad mood now. So I'm ready to grab McDonald's and call it a day. So right, it's, right. it's hard. So I'm looking forward to cooking. I'm looking forward to putting him up in childcare. I'm looking forward to getting him into like sports and being present and being able to go to the T-ball games and things like that, that I just wouldn't have been able to do in this career field. I look forward to, to seeing all of it uh, play out on Instagram and, and social <laughs> media. I know that he's important to you. And, you know, I think that's what I'm fighting for with the content that I'm putting out. Cause I know, you know, women want to have their career ambitions, at least attempted, you know, if not accomplished, at least attempted and, you know, to have a family as well. What are some things that we would need to implement across the board in society to allow for women to work and have an opportunity for a family later on. Cause it, it, I think the ambitions of women is changing in this country and it's a good thing. Yeah. I think flexibility is just absolutely the most important thing because what I'm realizing is, you know, kids don't wait to get sick when it's convenient. You of know, course. They, yeah. they, <laughs> And, and they'll, they're almost do the opposite. They'll wait until it's the most inconvenient time. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so that's one thing that, you know, I think, um, especially in this industry, people need to understand that, you know, you're going to have a kid that gets sick and you're going to need to call in. And it might be the day that you're interviewing the vice president. It might be the day that, you know, like, and, and you're going to have to have people that can back you up in those situations. Um, and so, I think, you know, having a variety of different people um, is a good thing in a newsroom because, you know, I think what's what's helped um, in my situation is, you know, there there are people who don't have kids that are young 20 somethings that, you know, can fill in when my kid is sick or whatever. Um, and so that's important. And then just like, you know, doctor's appointments, for instance, we don't get a lot of time off at, at my in my work. Um, that's one thing that I'm really looking forward to is when I accepted this new job they told me i'd get three weeks vacation and three weeks sick and i like choked like I was, hey <laughs> you're just kidding right like like that's off the bat and they're like yeah like that's what we start you at and i'm like you don't understand like the most days i've had off are five like you know like i don't even know and then like <laughs> and then i get guilt i get 
I feel guilty when I even take those days because I'm like, right. you know, oh my gosh, like, do they have someone to fill in for me? Do they have, you know, and I stress out when I call in sick, like everybody, I feel like everybody hates me. Like, you know, the next day I come in, I'm like, Hey, sorry, I was sick, you know, and you should never feel like that at work. You know, you should uh -huh. be able to take your paid time off. That's what you were given. And I'm, I'm really excited to, to not feel guilty anymore when I take my time off. And, um, I think that's really what needs to happen in every field for women to be successful is, you know, we need to be able to take time off. If our kids get sick, we need to be able to go and take them to appointments because my schedule is nine 30 to six 30. What doctor's office is open right outside those hours, what doctor's office or what dental office is open, what, you know, any kind of errands that I need to run that schedule just doesn't work because it's during the week and I couldn't take off days just to do something like that. And if I did, I'd have to take one of my few vacation days and who wants to do that to go to the dentist, you know, <laughs> who wants to go to the dentist, but then why would you want to take a vacation day to go to the dentist? So. Uh, well, Caleb, uh, moving forward, what's next for you? Where, where do you hope to be in the future? Yeah, so I will be making an announcement soon on where exactly I'm going, but hmm. I'm definitely heading into like the PR public relations world. Um, I feel like it will be very similar in the aspect of, you know, I, I obviously will be still very involved in what's going on in the world and will be um, able to converse with media, help media accomplish the, a similar goal. Um, I feel like I can take what I've learned from this industry and um, really run with it in the PR world. Um, you'll see, there's actually a whole Facebook group that I'm part of called from TV to PR because it's such a common, um, you know, move. A lot of TV reporters will head into it. And a lot of them have said, you know, I'm just reading some of their comments. Um, the people who have left, they're like, I feel like I just left an abusive relationship. Like, I feel like, I feel like I'm like finally free and able to be myself again. And I, I wonder if I'm going to feel that same way. I know I'm going to miss news in a lot of ways, but, um, just for the reasons that I've given you, I mean, I wake up in the morning and just instant stress just overwhelms me because I know that my day could just go to crap in an instant because it depends on other people. And I'm, you know, coming up with story ideas and my son, from the moment he wakes up, he just wants his mommy, you know, he just wants, Hey mommy, like, look at me, like, Hey, where's breakfast? Hey, like, I want juice, you know, whatever. And I'm like, okay, okay. I'm coming up with story ideas. All right. We're going to turn on cocoa melon. You know, like, we're like, I'm just, I'm a mess. And I can't wait for a routine that allows me to not be in that position anymore. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's what's next for me is just concentrating on being a mom, being a present mom, being a less stressed out mom, <laughs> um, yeah. and just being happier overall. And um, just learning every aspect of the PR world. And I'm not saying that I'm done with news forever. I mean, there may be a day that I go back and I think being in PR, um, will still help me if I want to go back to news right? Um, because I'm still, you know, maintaining those skills. I will, in the role that I'm going to be taking, I will still be shooting and editing and writing and doing all the things that I do now. So I'm not going to lose those skills. Um, but I just, I just think it's going to make me a happier and more well-rounded person. And that makes me just at peace with the decision, even though I've wanted to do this since the fourth grade, 
um, dreams change. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily know that I wanted to do this forever. I just wanted to see that I can accomplish it. And I did. And now I'm going to see if I can accomplish being a healthy, well-balanced working mom. Mm. Um, because I think one of the exercises we did in college, and I don't know if you ever did this, but we had to write our own eulogy. Did you do this exercise? No, <laughs> that's Watt wow. Eager made us write our own eulogy, which is very morbid. Yeah. <laughs> by the way. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I had to write my own eulogy and I had to, you know, basically like from the eyes of other people, what would I want them to say about me? Mm. And I did that recently just to see like if my priorities were in check and it was like, man, like why is my whole identity being a news reporter? Like it should be more family oriented. It should be more God oriented. It should be more, you know, the things that I know are important to me. I don't know if they're translating to others as much as I want them to. So um, I'm just excited to work on those priorities and actually um, have it so that my legacy is what I wanted it to be. You don't get an argument from me. I mean, being a mom is the most important job in the world. And I think what you're doing, uh, you know, changing your priorities, being self-aware, of those uh, changes, it's going to make you a better person down the line. And I'm excited for you uh, to be pursuing that sort of thing. Uh, where can people follow you and, and keep up with you if they're interested? Absolutely. Um, so I think I'm going to keep my Twitter handle this. I'll always be reporting, you know, on Twitter, right? <laughs> um, whether I'm reporting on my own life and my son or reporting on the news. So my Twitter handle is at Kayla reporting. My email is kaylareporting at gmail.com. Um, mm-hmm. My Instagram is Kayla Marie Sully. Um, so yeah, awesome. I mean, they can always follow me on social media. And then for some reason, my, I think I made this mistake when I made my Facebook. My Facebook is Kayla Marie Sullivan. I'm not like weirdly obsessed with my middle name. It's, I think I just was like filling it out and then it asked me my middle name. So I put it in there and now it's always been there and I've never yeah. changed it. So Kayla Marie Sullivan on Facebook. <laughs> Marie's my mom's name, you know, and it's really? her first I mean, name. I do love it. It's just yeah. funny that like I have that. No, most people don't put their middle name on Facebook. Well, I'm also a guy that, that likes his middle name. For folks who want to hear this again, check out jbkonair.com. You can get this podcast anywhere that you get your podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, and Google. Until next time, folks, have a great day and a better tomorrow.